Well, good morning, gentlemen. Great to see you this, uh, today. Good to hear you fellowshipping. Hopefully you got some, uh, some coffee. Open your Bibles to Psalm 27, October 27th. If any of you were part of a celebration on Sunday for my 50th birthday, thank you very much. I think most of it ended yesterday. I walked in yesterday morning and um, some kind church members had redecorated my office and uh, uh, replaced my my chair with a with a wheelchair and <laughs> bought me some depends and um, prune juice and a number of other of other things and um, so I uh, I figured out I actually thought it was the staff you know maybe my brother pastors that were that were ribbing me. And I actually found out that they had nothing to do with it, believe it or not. I mean, the first person I thought of was Mark Hager, but um, yeah, it was actually some young ladies in the congregation, um, and uh, so I, I uh, uh, through investigatory means, figured out who it was, and I, I took a picture of my office and and sent them a snap and said, uh, quoted Rick Holland um, in another situation with the picture, just said, uh, you, uh, you will not know when, but you will know who whenever, it, whenever retaliation takes, uh, takes place. And uh, that quote actually comes from uh, Rick at Grace Community Church, if you've ever uh, been there or or seen any ministry from John, you'll notice the, the sanctuary doesn't have any foyer or anything else. And so they actually do baptisms um, in the main service, but you can't see the baptistry. It's actually down in the floor. So you, you take a piece of the, you know, much like we would move these steps and you move it out of the way and they baptize right on the, right on the platform. Well, in order to do that, the pulpit's there. So the pulpit is on hydraulics. Um, so it goes down into the floor and then raises up whenever you know somebody comes up to, to speak, and that's controlled in the sound booth. And so there's presets on it. So you know, just like on a, on your sound booth, you know, Pastor Brian's mic, you know, you just hit that, everything's already preset. So John MacArthur, you know, it comes up to his height. You know, when Clayton Herb is up there leading music, it comes up to Clayton's height and. Um, if you ever met Rick, Rick is not a very tall man, and um, so he's getting ready to preach on Sunday morning at uh, at Grace Church, and you know it's a serious, somber moment. And so he has his Bible, he's getting ready to walk up, and as you're walking up, sometimes you have to wait on the pulpit because it's it's hydraulics, it slows. So he comes to you know to wait up, and Jerry Rag is in the sound booth. And uh, he's waiting, and he only brings the pulpit up to about that high, you know. And so then everybody starts laughing, and he knows where it is. So he makes that quote. He said, you will not know when, but you will know who, Jerry. So uh, I did the same. Psalm 27. What a beautiful psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I've asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle. In the secret place of His tent He will hide me. He will lift me up upon a rock. And now my head will be 
filled up above my enemies around me. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have departed unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing song. Um, May that be the song of my heart and all of these men who are here. We we desire um, all of the blessings that you give us. Obviously, the the blessing of knowing you is above all things. And yet, um, from that, trickles out many other material and temporal blessings of food and family and joy and and yet the one thing that we desire more than anything else and if not may this be our prayer this morning is that we would we would dwell in your house we would gather with your people the greatest uh, joy of our hearts is to come together with the brethren and hear your voice um, watch your gifts to uh, unfold before us in ministry and service, to use the ones that you've given us. Uh, Whatever winds blow outside uh, of of the church, in life, um, we have no reason to fear. You are our confident God, and you have set our feet on a rock. So just strengthen our hearts. Um, We, uh, lots of things happening, um, nothing new, lots of things happening in our world. And yet, um, we want to be obedient and do what we are able to do, but trust in you in all things. And pray you would bless us even as we learn today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are going to be on page 142. And if you need a Grace and Granite book, we still have some up here. You can pick one uh, of those up. Does anybody need one? Um, All right, great. Somebody told me on Sunday that they need to pick one up. Uh, but as always, if you bring somebody new, uh, the books will uh, will be here. If you forgot your money uh, for the, the copying, the printing, you can bring that next time. No, no big deal. We're going to be on page 142. We're actually talking about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and, and we're not disconnecting the gifts of the Holy Spirit from, from their purpose. A lot of times when you talk about the gifts or you hear pe- people talking about the gifts of the Spirit, it's all about them. I take a spiritual gift test to see how God's gifted me, how God wants to use me. Um, and the entire purpose, the whole purpose for the spiritual gifts, you know, given by the Spirit sovereignly as He bestows, is for the body of Christ. So you can use them in the church. And so we're, we're, we're setting that in the right order. That's where we started. Um, this morning, we're going to go a little further, and we're going to now talk about the different types, the different types of gifts. Um, and we're going to start broad category, and then we're going to zoom in on, on specific categories uh, you know, of, of gifts. And within that, um, this, this series goes for, goes for a while. Believe it or not, we only have about another month uh, uh, maybe five weeks of, of grace and granite, and then we'll be done. So whether we'll get through all of the spiritual gifts section um, right now or not uh, during this session, we'll, we'll pick it up whenever we, you know, we we come. Um, it's going to touch on the study is going to touch on uh, c- cessationism. You know what gifts are operating today and which ones aren't. I know some of you had some. Uh, 
uh, good questions, even from a, a missiological standpoint, from a mission standpoint. You know, are certain gifts operating to get today? Are they not operating today? And we're going to get into all of that. We're going to get into tongues. We're going to get into prophecy. Um, you know, you probably drive down the road and see uh, billboards. You know, that say you know Apostle John and uh, you know Apostolette Judy at, um, you know, whatever uh, Shekinah Glory Tabernacle. So you'll even see people claiming that they're apostles, you know, today. So what does Scripture say about that? Why is that even important? Does it matter? Um, and so we're going to start with a video that will kind of set the tone for, for cessationism, and then we're going to go back and look at the broad gifts and, and, move, and move forward. Now, there were two videos that I could show you, and I chose to show this one first and then the second one uh, probably, probably next week. And really, the dilemma that I had was, do I come at you this morning with just cessationism and why it's important, um, and then soften it up next time when we're talking about our charismatic brothers, and there are brothers in the Lord that don't deny the gospel, but I think are very confused whenever it comes to the issue of, of gifts, or do I do that opposite? And, and the odd thing about it is the, the, the one I'm going to show you this, this morning is from MacArthur, and he's going to talk about just what is cessationism and why is it important, and the danger of, of believing that, that God is speaking outside of the Bible. So that's what you're, that's what you're going to hear. Um, the softer, kinder, gentler that, that people that believe this are brothers are actually, is actually from Phil Johnson. So I would have expected the opposite. I would have expected Phil to be ripping somebody's face off and John being more, being more balanced, but, but it's the opposite. So next week... Uh, I'll show you the, the little Phil Johnson uh, interview that, um, that was asked of him during the Strange Fire Conference. You know. So does somebody that is a non-cessationist, somebody that's a continuous, believing that there's still miraculous gifts today, are they a heretic? That was the question that was asked of Phil. And Phil says, no, they're not. Confused, but, you know, but, but not uh, a heretic. So we're going to see John first, and then we'll, we'll get into the... The Most of you know that a few months ago we had a strange fire conference and uh, we, we talked about the aberrant charismatic Pentecostal movement that has dominated the evangelical landscape and even spread around the world. Somewhere between half a billion and 750 million people claim to be a part of this movement. And it raised the question of what is called cessationism. Uh, that kind of awkward word simply defines the belief that the New Testament miraculous gifts ceased. They ceased. That has been the normative, historical view of the church through the church's life, going all the way back to the New Testament and on into the modern era. But since the turn of the 20th century, there has been the birth of a, of a strange uh, Pentecostal and then charismatic movement that wants to affirm that all the sign gifts, miraculous gifts, are back, including prophets, including apostles. Uh, and you might say, well, does it really matter? Is it a peripheral issue? Well, uh, it depends on what you mean by peripheral. Um, it doesn't affect the gospel, necessarily, but, but it affects something very, very important that is related to the gospel, and that is divine revelation. Because if you're saying God is still speaking through prophets, still speaking through apostles, then he's not finished speaking. So that I need my Bible and a prophet or prophets, my Bible and some apostles, that I don't have everything sufficient in the word of God. And so I need some miraculous gift to get me through, some miraculous word of knowledge, word of wisdom, some miraculous insight, some uh, divine experience, some transcendent kind of thing, or I can't make it as a, as a Christian. I, I need that. Uh, that, that. That introduces an entirely out-of-control element to the closed canon of Scripture and an entirely out-of-control element to Christian living. Because people then are subject to, 
to the whim of the people they trust as prophets and apostles. And they're subject to the whim of what they feel is a word from God or a message from God. They're subject to uh, promises of healing and wealth and all of that that are illegitimate promises. So, first of all, it's, it's not true. It's not right to propagate something that's not true. Secondly, it clouds the issue of the Word of God being sufficient and complete. And thirdly, it adds an element into spiritual living that is completely mystical and arbitrary. When all that we need is in the Word of God, and the Spirit quickens what is in the Word of God to accomplish all His goals in us, in our Christian living. It matters a lot. And that's why we've addressed it and will continue to answer questions that came out of Strange Fire to try to make sure we do everything we can to, to clear this away so that the truth can be known. People's lives are at stake. The people are in that movement hearing a false gospel. Many people in that movement have a false understanding of sanctification which debilitates them and can't sanctify their, their flesh. So the truth always matters, and it's always powerful. And we'll continue to make issues that may seem to some people peripheral, make them the main thing because they have such implications as this one does. So ultimately, we understand it doesn't really matter what John MacArthur thinks or what I think or what you think. It matters what the Bible says, right? Um, but I, the, I show you that because um, the, he touches on a number of issues. And I think the, the fundamental uh, problem, if you will, uh, is the sufficiency of Scripture. If God is speaking outside of the Bible then you don't have a sufficient word. And, and that, that's really what I wanted you, to, you know, to get out of that. And yet, the Bible clearly teaches the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and, and He gives gifts that are, that are not natural. They're, they're not from you. Um, take, for instance, uh, my ability to communicate the Word of God to you. Um, if you would have known me before I came to Christ, this would have been the last thing that you would have expected me to do. I mean, I was petrified to speak in front of people. Um, I would rather write a 10-page paper than give a two-minute speech. Just, just extremely fearful of man, peer-dependent, all of those kinds of things. Wasn't that articulate uh, at, at all. And... Um, it, you know, not to mention uh, uh, much to my mother's chagrin, being an English teacher, you know, my vocabulary wasn't all that great. I really didn't enjoy reading until I came to Christ. Um, I have just a little bit of an accent, if you haven't uh, been able to tell. I mean, there's just all kinds of reasons why you would have not, you, you would not have chosen me to, to have a speaking gift or insight into Scripture. But immediately from the time I, I came to Christ, um, I went from having no desire to, to come to church, no desire to read the Bible, no desire to share that, of course, with, with anyone, to um, a tremendous hunger. Um, and then whatever I learned, trying to make sense out of it, and then after it became sensible to me to communicate that to, to somebody else. I mean, it was not anything that I kind of eased into. There was just a, an automatic desire. Now, obviously, the skill in being able to do that has increased, and hopefully it has increased uh, um, over, the, over the period of you know, time. And, and one of the things that immediately began to, you know, to take place was other people in Sunday school would say, you know, wow, that, that, that was really helpful. That, that, was, that was clear. Um, you know, so there's an evident fruit that, that comes from that. Um, there's no reason for pride. Uh, there's no reason you know, for false humility. It's a gift of the Spirit that, that He specifically gives, and it is supernatural. But a lot of times whenever we hear the word supernatural, we automatically think fanciful type of, of things, miraculous types of things. And what we mean by miraculous is something out of the, the norm. Well, it's no less miraculous that I have the ability to communicate the Word of God with clarity, a speaking gift, than, 
than somebody did whenever they were an apostle and they were able to, you know, to heal somebody. It is a gift of the, the Spirit. So what's operating today and what's not? And how do you even go about making sense of that? And, and I, I told you last time the, the way that, that um, I was brought into the process was probably from the, the caboose side rather than the engine, and that's the spiritual gifts test. It's all about you. You need to you know, take, this, take this exam, fill in the bubbles, and then they tell you, you know, what, what you have. I think uh, what, what we're looking at from a scriptural standpoint is a, is a superior way. So you start big picture, and that's what we've been doing in 1 Peter chapter 4. So uh, we'll look at that. We'll talk about Ephesians 2.20, 1 Corinthians 12, and, uh, and both at the beginning and the end. And the purpose of this study is to talk about the broad and specific categories which Scripture uses to discuss the spiritual gifts. Um, and the study will differentiate between the gifts given to the New Testament apostles and prophets from the gifts given to the broader body of, of Christ. Um, so think of this in, in two ways. There are two general categories of gifts, speaking gifts and serving gifts. That's what First Peter 4 says. You either have a speaking gift or a serving gift, or you may have um, a mingling of, of both, but the gifts are going to fall into two categories. And then think of the gifts given in two eras. The gifts given in the apostolic prophetic age, being when the New Testament, the foundation, as Ephesians 2.20 tells us, the foundation of the church was laid by the apostles and the prophets, gifts that were operating then, and then, after the foundation is laid, then evangelists and pastors and teachers are building on that foundation. And what are the gifts that are then operating today? And then how do you tell, uh, you know, how do you go through the process of discerning which gifts fall into, you know, in, into which category? And so we'll talk about all of that uh, before we're done. But we're going to start with the two general categories. General categories of, of gifts. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. So look at First Peter chapter four, verse eleven, and just way of reminder to set the context for us. First Peter, First uh, Peter, not First Cheater, First Peter, chapter four. Um, well, look at verse ten. Each one has received. A special gift, special is in italics. It's the, the Greek word charisma for, for a spiritual gift. Each one has received a gift, given by the Spirit. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So it was given by the Spirit. You're a steward of that gift. You're to employ it in serving one another. You're to employ it in the church. And as you do that, then you are being a good steward of what God has given you, and it is, it's, it, it's His grace, and, and it's, it's, it's a full-orbed grace. And now here's the, the two types of gifts. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the, the utterances of God, um, His voice, His words. Whoever serves, there's the second category, is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So speaking, uh, what are you speaking? The very words of God and serving, you're doing that by His strength. And the empowerment of God is equated to the gift, the speaking gift or the serving gift. And look at uh, what it says at the end, the result of that. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. One of the direct evidences that you are misusing spiritual gifts or using a counterfeit gift is you become the main attraction rather than God, or rather than Christ. You know? um, whether that's in a speaking gift or whether that's in a, in a serving gift. So, by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified. How's God glorified? The Father's glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. All the glory of the Father is, is 
directed toward the Son, and He's going to be the centerpiece of heaven for forever and ever. So the gifts of the Spirit now are are granted to His body uh, to prepare um, a bride for Him uh, for all eternity. So let's look at the first one, speaking gifts. How do you know uh, whether it is a speaking gift or you have speaking gifts? And we're going to get into the specific names for the, the different types of gifts. Right now we're talking broad categories. They'll be clearly identifiable. You can speak the utterances of God in a way that edifies people. The utterances of God. Um, it's used in Scripture elsewhere uh, in Romans 3, 2 and Acts 7 as the very words out of God's mouth. And that's a pretty strong statement. I mean, think about that. If it doesn't mean simply accurately communicating Scripture, the word means, you know, the very words out of God's mouth. If I would stand before you and say, what I am saying to you are the very words out of God's mouth, that's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? But you know, I can say that to you to the extent that I am speaking the Scriptures and the Scriptures alone. There's a lot of things that I say that, that help explain what are the very words of Scripture. But to, but to attribute something that I'm saying is the very words of God, the, the words out of His mouth, that is a strong statement. And you should do that with great fear and trembling. You know? um, which is why you, you need to have an expositional ministry, which is why you don't want to go beyond the text and add to the Bible, which is also why you don't want to take away from the Bible, which is why the whole goal of a preacher or a teacher is just to say what God said, add nothing, take nothing away, and explain it, and help people understand what it means so you can put it into practice. I mean, that's, that's a preaching ministry. Um, what's the fruit that comes from that? People are edified. They're, they're equipped. People are rebuked. They're corrected. Um, they're encouraged. They're motivated. I mean, that's what the Spirit of God does in the lives of other people when the speaking gift is used properly. But you speak the very uh, the words that come out of God's mouth in a way that, that edifies the, the people. Which is really what MacArthur was, was aiming at when you go beyond that, or you say um, that speaking gifts means that God's going to give you a word now or something outside of the, uh, of the Scriptures. You have no way of knowing whether that impression you know, was from God or not because it's disconnected from the, you know, from the Scriptures. And there's only we'll get here, but there's only two ways... The Bible says you know whether someone is a prophet, um, which I'll show you. I believe that the prophets ended in the New Testament era. There are no prophets uh, today. They're accurate. You test their prophecies by the accuracy of the prophecy. In the Old Testament, if, you, if one of your prophecies failed, if you said this was an utterance from the Lord, it was a prophecy from the Lord, and it failed, you were a false prophet, most likely stoned. So the utterances of, of God from the, from the prophets were, were tested in, uh, um, in, in that way. They're, they were put to, uh, you know, to, a, to an examination. Uh, and the New Testament prophets aren't, you know, aren't any different. And so you have the utterances of God. And so if, if they have to be accurate, um, you know, the other way is they're tested against the Scriptures. So it was it accurate? Did it come true? God said this was going to happen, and it didn't happen. You're a false prophet. Or you said something that's, that contradicted Scripture, and that same rule is applied to the, you know, to the, to the New Testament whenever the, the prophetic gift was, was operating before the canon was complete, before we, have, before we had a, a New Testament. So speaking gifts will be clearly identifiable, you speak the words of God in a way that edifies people. You heard the definition of a leader um, is uh, or somebody who thinks that they are a leader, but um, nobody's following them. Um, 
or a shepherd that doesn't have any sheep? Uh, is that person really a shepherd? Um, well, if you think that you have a speaking gift, and yet every time you speak, even though you speak the Bible, nobody's edified, nobody's built up, then there's a good possibility that you don't have you know, speaking gifts. Um, but if you do, one of the greatest compliments that you can give um, a preacher or a teacher is to tell them that was clear. It was very helpful. It was very clear. Um, you've been... Uh, I, well, I'll give you a, a personal illustration. I can remember there was a, a an older lady at, uh, at Red House, uh, and we... My pastor brought in somebody for revival meetings, and this guy was different from my pastor. My pastor was a pretty passionate guy, but, I mean, this guy's over the top. So these, he probably had five sermons, and he probably pe- preached those same five sermons wherever he went, but we hadn't heard them. And when you do that about a hundred times, you can get really, really good at turning a phrase and knowing, you know, stomp here, spit there, motivate people. And this guy was, was really good. I think he was sincere. I'm not putting him down, but when the... when when uh, he left one day. This 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 woman who's with the Lord now. She said, "Now, boy, that was good preaching." And I I can remember thinking, um, "Well, I think my pastor preaches pretty good every Sunday." So, are you implying by that that this was good and what we normally have was was you know was not? So I said, "Well, that that's that's great. What what was so you know what was so good about?" It? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember anything you said, but that was good preaching. I mean, you've sat under sermons like that, and you go, wow, I was motivated. I felt something. Something tugged on my heartstrings. That was enjoyable. That was funny. That was whatever. But do you walk away from a man speaking God's word, and are you edified? Was something made clear? Were you convicted? Were you exhorted in some way? Was Was the Bible laid open before you, and now do you better know God, you know, because of it? That is the evidence of a, you know, of a speaking gift. Um, a heretic or, or a total unbeliever that doesn't even believe the Bible can motivate you, um, but do you understand the Word of God you know, better? Look at number two. If you do not have speaking gifts, then you must be in the category of serving. You don't even need a big, long spiritual gift test, you know? Um, if you have a speaking gift, people will be edified. And if not, it's going to fall in the serving you know, category. Um, there are people, one's not more important than the other. And that's Paul's argument. The ones that are up front, the ones that seem um, you know, to uh, really help me understand the Bible, um, that spiritual gift is not any more important than the person who serves, um, you know, in the church, or all part of the uh, of the body, um, some have both giftings, uh, gifting gifting categories to to some degree. It's not necessarily important that you decide today which category you are in, and with which nuance. Each one has a unique combination of gifts that are brought to the body in unique ways. Now, I always think about that every time we have a new member covenant service, new people coming into the church. We're going to have a, another new members class uh, coming up. There's a number of people that have signed up for that. Um, a couple of weeks ago when you were there on Sunday night and there's all these people, they're all standing up in front of the congregation, they're affirming their commitment to you, you're affirming their commitment to them. What do you think about? One of the things I think about besides, wow, now here is, you know, how many ever more uh, judgment re- responsibilities at the Bema seat, I'll be accountable for their souls, uh, is... Why did God sovereignly lead them to this church? What will they do here? Sometimes I think, out of this group, will there be a wolf? Is there someone here who, five years from now, is going to go south and going to take somebody with them? You know? um, there's all kinds of things that you think from a pastoral standpoint. 
But the spiritual gifts that each person has, God's bringing that person to a, this body of Christ at Timberlake. And if they obey 1 Peter 4, then the church is going to be strengthened by that. What specific gifts, what, what, what mingling together has, you know, has God placed in, in this vessel for the purpose of strengthening Timberlake? And a lot of times we look back, we think back, wonderful thing to do. People get historical. I remember the days when brother such and such was here and, you know, the good old days. And there's nothing wrong with that to a certain degree. You're thinking about people that God used greatly in the life of a church and he gave them specific gifts for that specific time. But also don't forget to think ahead. Like you are here if you're part of the body and you have gifts that God wants to use right now that somebody's going to be talking about 20 years from now. Do you remember when, you know, um, Mark Hager came to the church before we had biblical counseling? You know, wow, that was, that was really, you know, really helpful. So you have um, a gifting category to some degree. It's not important for you to decide which category you're in. You need to uh, serve. Each one has a unique combination of gifts that are brought to the body in, a, in unique ways. What's the point there? If you do not use your gifts, if you don't make yourself available, um, whether it's speaking or gifts or serving gifts, um, then the body will not be built up in the way that God intends it to be. This body, specifically in Timberlake. As you mature in the Spirit of God, your gifting becomes evident as others see the fruit. Um, so, I have an immediate desire to understand the Bible, um, to make it clear to myself, and then turn around and make it clear to others. And then that become, starts becoming evident to people in the Sunday school class. Um, and then at some point... You know, my pastor asked me to share testimony on a Wednesday night, and then that turned into, "Hey, would would you mind, uh, you know, filling in for me, you know, in uh, you know in Sunday school? To would you mind doing this on Wednesday night? To you know, more and more over a period of time. I'm not saying let me teach Sunday school. Somebody else is asking me to do that on the basis of the spiritual gifting and the evidence that's you know that, that's there." Um, and the same thing will happen you know, to you. If you cannot discern the fruit, you say, well, I don't know. Am I helpful? Am I not helpful? I mean, nobody has really ever said, hey, would you teach Sunday school? Um, nobody has really asked me to do a whole lot. If you cannot discern the fruit, just keep serving. I mean, don't get so wrapped up in trying to contemplate what you have or what you don't have. Make yourself available. Do what is comes spiritually natural to you. And in heaven, the Lord may open your eyes to all the fruit that um, we, could not, we could not see. It's another aspect of 1 Corinthians 12. Um, there are parts of the body that are very visible that everybody knows about. There are other parts of the body that are just as important that nobody, they have no limelight. Nobody really thinks a whole lot about them. But heaven... Is the one that's actually keeping the record of what, what, is, what is being done. So some have both gifting categories to, you know, to some degree. It's important that we obey 1 Peter 4.10. Employ it in serving one another. We are called to give our life toward this task. I can remember a really funny... Uh, pithy statement that Adrian Rogers made one time in a men's uh, uh, a conference something about parenting. He said, some of you men spend more time trying to learn how to whistle than you do uh, studying the Word of God. Some of you spend more time training your dogs than you do your children, and then you lock your dogs up at night and let your kids run wild. And I thought, ouch. Um, what, I, what I've remembered out of that is the amount of time that I spend 
learning how to bow hunt. Learning how to make sure that I can put an arrow where it needs to go. Um, how much time I spend on a hobby. How much time I spend, uh, you know, listening to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, Fox News, which I do. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, which I do. How much time do I spend listening to all of those guys? And nothing wrong with being informed. Um, they give helpful comments that the um, the lamestream media doesn't, you know, right? But do you listen to Rush Limbaugh for three hours a day and never crack your Bible? That's a problem, right? Do you spend, uh, you know, hours upon hours learning a hobby but never hone the use of your gift in the church? Do you say, I'm too busy to serve God whenever you're, you've got plenty of time in life, you're just actually using it, you're using your time for trivial matters that, that won't mean anything for eternity? That's a problem. It's not an argument against having fun or having a hobby. It's an argument against priority, right? And that's what we, uh, Peter is saying here. Employed in serving one another, we are called to give our life toward this task. You will not regret one second that you have given to the church and to Christ whenever you get to eternity. I have never met somebody on their deathbed that said, Ten minutes before they slip off into eternity. Would you bring my soccer trophies to me one more time that I can take a look at them before I, 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 I go meet Jesus? Will you bring my stock portfolio to me one more time? I just want to see how much money I made just, just one more time before I look at Christ in the face. I've never heard a mother say uh, at... You know, 55, whenever their, their kids are out of the house or whatever the age is. Boy, I sure wish I would have worked more. I hear them say, boy, I sure wish I would have spent more time with my kids whenever they were young. It's very easy to get your priorities out of whack. And the easiest way to get them in line is get in the church, employ yourself in serving the church, and then all the other stuff will, 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 will come in line. You will not regret one second that you give to Christ or His church whenever you come into uh, eternity. And I'll tell you something else. If you do that, then what will come from that is fruit. People will be helped. And guess what? You're going to be edified because they're helped. And there's nothing that gives you energy, more spiritual energy, than actually being used by God. I mean, I think the two happiest moments in my life is one, whenever I know I've been obedient to God, and two, when I know I've been used by God. Those are the two things. When I know that I've done something that pleased my Father, there is no more greater feeling in the world. I've been obedient. And sometimes being obedient is hard, and the joy that I get is equated to the difficulty. Do this, give this up, stop this, and it's hard. And I, I do it anyway because I want to please Jesus, and I know I've been pleasing. The other is, is whenever I've been used in some way you know, by God. Two different things. If you're not being obedient and you're not being useful, you are missing out on the joy of the Christian life. All the rest of the stuff is just, you know, just trinkets and, and things. You do both of those things then it actually brings joy in all the other all the other areas. Employ it in serving one another. We are called to give our life toward this task. Go to the body of Christ and the relationships God has given you and in fervent love and humble sober-mindedness serve their needs. That's exactly what Paul says in Romans 1. 11. I long, listen to Paul. I long to see you. Why? So that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. Now, what's Paul talking about there? I long to see you. I long to come to the church so that I may give you some spiritual gift. Does Paul have like spiritual gifts in his pocket? I mean, do the apostles, you know, um, give one of those, one of those hankies and you know, you have this spiritual gift? No. What's he saying? I have a spiritual gift, and I long to use it for you. I can't wait to see you and be in your midst 
and use the spiritual gift that God has given me. And notice he says some spiritual gift. Paul doesn't even know how God's going to use him. But what Paul does know is that God will use him and the way God will use him is through his spiritual gifting. A speaking gift or a serving gift. Isn't that amazing? Every time you come to church, you have no idea how God's going to use you. Isn't that exciting? But he says he will if you make yourself available. And it could be a serving gift or a speaking gift or both. Now, every time I come to church, I have no idea how I'm going to be used for eternity in the kingdom. That's an exciting thing, an expectation. Whenever I come to church, God is going to speak. And when God speaks, stuff happens. That's an exciting reason to come to church. I'm going to hear God's voice today, and any time God speaks, anywhere you look in the Bible, stuff happens, right? God said, let there be light, and there was light. The gospel, Paul equates the gospel to light shining into the darkness, the creative language. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. So when when God speaks, people are saved, people are sanctified, stuff happens. So God speaks whenever his his word is rightly divided. So I'm going to come to church, God's going to speak, and... There's a guarantee God's going to do something. That's an exciting reason to come to church. And on the other side of that, whenever I come to church, God has given me a speaking gift, a serving gift, and to the extent that I use it, I have no idea in what way, but God's going to use me in the lives of somebody else. And there's that, that's going to show up in eternity. It'll show up right now, but the record's going to show up in eternity. That's an exciting you know, thing. I mean, I am involved in the work that God is, you know, is doing. And think of the blessing of that. I mean, God, you've heard this before, but God could have done it any way he wanted to. He didn't need speaking gifts. He could write it in the clouds. He, he could speak audibly from heaven. But he ch- chooses to speak his words through human vessels so that we might participate and might get the blessing. He chooses to use us. Um, God could have done what he did with Elijah and had birds come and drop food on Doris Hunter and you know the Duncan's doorsteps now that Mr. Hunter is with the Lord and that's how he could have fed them this week but God chooses to send Timberlakers who have serving gifts to cook them a meal and to bless them in that process Um, it happens over and over Mark It's good. You understand what Mark's saying? I mean, you have a different person. Everybody has a different personality, um, and uh, that's not equated to a to a spiritual gift. Um, there are certain people that are just they're energizing. They're they can they can talk and they're fun to listen to, and and uh, so they have a, have a certain they're, you know outgoing personality, introverted personality. How do you how do you tell you know the difference? Have you ever listened to somebody? You ever been uh, in a in a church service? Maybe you've not been there before, or you went to a conference or otherwise, and the guy that's getting ready to speak, you know, gets up, and you get your first look at the speaker, and he's walking to the pulpit, and your thought is, "Wow, that guy looks a little weird. I mean, he's a little mousy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you have all kinds of thoughts. You're sizing the person up." And then they get up, you know, they get up in the pulpit. Um, and then they begin to preach. And it just absolutely rocks your world. It's nothing to do with how the guy sounds, what he looks like, anything else. The voice of God from the text comes through 
and God does something in your life. That's the evidence of a spiritual gift. You know, we have a tendency. What Mark is saying, we have a tendency to be like like Samuel, who goes to the house of Jesse to look for God's king, who turns out to be David, and Eliab shows up, the firstborn son, who's tall in stature and looks good on the outside, and and Samuel says, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And God, he goes through all the sons. And God rebukes Samuel. He says, you look on the outside, but I look on the heart. And that's where God looks, so there's a danger. Doing that, so don't confuse personality tests. I'm an otter. I'm a beaver. I'm a lion. I'm a golden retriever. You know all kinds of other silly things like that. Um, yeah, I mean everybody in here is different, uh, but that has nothing to do with your spiritual gift. You can be an absolute introvert and have no desire to speak in front of of anybody and be used by the Lord if He chooses. You know, to give you that gift. You can be an absolute extrovert and be a magnet and everybody wants to be a, a, around you and you can, you can end up being a humble servant with the gift of, of mercy and have nothing to do you know, with, with your personality. And you'd say, well, doesn't it seem like that, that it would be better if God does both, right? Give the extrovert who has got a lot of charisma you know, the speaking gifts because then, you know, they, they can help God out, and there is the problem that Mark's aiming at. You don't need to help God out. In fact, that's a detriment. I have seen men that have come through the internship or the seminary, and I have told the other guys, I first meet them, and I say, wow, that guy's really sharp. He's very articulate, um, and he's dangerous. He's dangerous to himself. And he's going to be dangerous to others because it's easy to get puffed up in that way. Isn't that what's going on in Corinth? I mean, they're they're desiring the the outward gifts because they exalted the wisdom of man over the wisdom of God. And God typically does does the opposite. Um, he uses people that um, don't have any temptation to get glory. So, what's the moral of that story? Um, if you don't think you sound good, you don't think you look good, you don't think you have a great personality, praise Jesus for that. You won't be tempted you know, to exalt yourself, um, press into you know, the spiritual gifting. Is that what you wanted me to say? Yeah, good. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. That edifies, that edifies my soul. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Any other comments? Yep. The, the thing about celebrity, mm. you know, and athletes, uh, you got to be careful about lifting them up. Uh, oh, yeah. Celebrity pastors and, exactly. and otherwise. Conversions. Yes. Uh, I, I think of two things whenever you say that. One of the first, uh, well, I won't say the first track, but it was early. You know, you, you'd witness to people and you'd give them a gospel track and. As a young believer, I just thought this was the coolest thing ever. Somebody gave me a track. I used to watch NASCAR a lot, and the the gospel track was Jeff Gordon's testimony. And I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. I mean, here's a NASCAR driver who believes in Jesus just like me, and I got these Jeff Gordon tracks, and I was giving them out. And the next month, Jeff Gordon divorced his wife. And I'm thinking, now what do I do with all those gospel tracks? You know, I just propped up a guy. (laughs) It's just the opposite of what... You know what I want to want to lead to. So yeah, be very careful, uh, and that's what's happening. They're using their celebrity status as a you know as a subtle way to go. Hey, look! I mean, if Jeff Gordon's willing to be a believer, then you should believe in Jesus too. Um, and that's a dangerous thing. The other thing I think of is the celebrity pastor component. Um, you know, I had somebody actually a a, a a woman tell me this past Sunday that um, she was so thankful for her pastors and the church um, because as she was she was listening to somebody last week and I don't know what happened I don't know whether this this person that she listened to had fallen in the ministry or whatever but she just said I just started thinking I have no way of knowing 
whether that person I listen to on the internet or a YouTube or a podcast, I have no way of knowing the character in their life. I have no way of knowing of whether they're actually living out what they're saying because they're out there and I'm here. And she said, and then I realized, you know what, that's exactly the way that God's designed the church. And I quoted Peter to her, shepherd the flock of God among you. You see my life. You see Clay's life. You see you know, Pastor Brody's life. You see Pastor Jeff's life. You see you know, the other leaders in the church. You see their lives, the, the good parts and the bad parts. And you see us repent. You see us ask for forgiveness. It's on display. So not just speaking, but it's modeled as well. And that happens in the context of the local church. There's, a, there's an accountability that's there. Amongst a plurality of elders, we're accountable to one another. I watch Clay's life. He watches my life. And then there's an accountability of the congregation. That's the way that God's designed it. So Paul told Timothy, let your progress be evident before all. So as you're growing, I'm growing in sanctification, and my progress is to be evident before all, before the whole congregation. Your progress is to be evident before all. Well, there's, some, there's a really encouraging word in there. Let your progress be evident. Meaning that here is a pastor, Timothy, who hadn't arrived yet. So if Timothy hasn't arrived yet, you haven't either, and that's a good thing. You know. But he's progressing. He's growing in, you know, in the Lord. And then that's on display you know, in, the, in the church. Beware of pastors and people that don't let anybody in and you don't know their life and you don't know anything about them and take that admonition from that, from that, that woman. Um, you don't know the guy on the screen. You have no idea about him. Um, and if he's disconnected from a church, if there is a leader, somebody who's speaking into your life that's disconnected from a church or disconnected from elders, beware of that person. Because typically people that aren't in a church and aren't under elders don't want accountability. Um, they don't want an authority over them. And that's a, that's a character issue. It's a problem you know, of the heart. And add to that guys that are young, you know, in their 20s or 30s, run from people like that. You know? um, because 1 Timothy 3, um, pride comes before the, you know, before the fall. You should want more accountability, not, not less. That accountability is built into God's economy in the church and in a plurality you know, of, you know, of elders. So, great. And you guys both pushed my buttons there. Sorry about that. Anyone else? Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, your uh, Aristilian rhetoric. You know how to, you know, you know how to communicate something. You know how to think logically. Yeah, it's good. Talent doesn't equate spiritual gift. What else? All right, let's look at um, page forty-three. This is just a continuation of this Romans one eleven, where Paul says. I long, I desire to come to the church so that I may impart a spiritual gift to you. He didn't know what gift he was going to give them. What were their needs? All didn't know. You don't know the needs of anybody whenever you come. I mean, here's a good prayer. Lord, I'm coming to church today. Today's Sunday. Um, I'm going to Grace and Granite tomorrow morning. Lord, uh, I'll just ask two things of you. Um teach me something. I'm coming to hear your voice. Help me to hear it. Give me ears to hear. And then help me obey whatever I hear. And then, Lord, I'm coming and there are people there and you want to use me in ministry. I have no idea who you want to use me, but but open my eyes to, to a need that might be there. Put me in a position in order to be used. So speak to me and use me. Every time you come to church, and then look for that opportunity. Isn't it true? A lot of times we're you know we're busy you know dragging the kids in, just you know argued with the wife, uh, you're distracted, whatever it you know it might be, and you come into church and you sit down 
and and you know it's like, and now you're ready to you're ready to listen, um, and then you know you rush out because something else is going on. I got to make sure I get to the restaurant to get there before the crowd to get a seat, so I don't have to wait too long. You're missing body life if you do that. Um, think other, think differently. When I'm coming, God, you're going to use me some way today. Show me who that person is, and then kind of linger around, see who that, you know, who that person might be. You don't know the needs. Uh, it could have been to teach a series on something. It could have been to get rid of some false teachers. Did families and marriages need counseling in the church there? Perhaps he was needed behind the scenes to show off the, the, uh, the character of Christ in love and prayer and, and, and faithfulness. I could add a sixth one here. Paul may have went there with that longing, and he has no idea how God used him. You have no idea how the Lord uses you. You know the Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, come to church. Um, why? Because you provoke one another to love and good works whenever you do. In the gathering, you're provoking other Christians to love and to good works. Have you ever come to church... And you saw somebody across the room, um, and they were faithful, and the Lord did something in your heart because you watched them, and they had no idea that they edified you. You never told them. You know, you saw sister such, such and such coming in, and you know she's hobbling in, and you had the thought, wow, I bet it was really difficult for her to get out of bed and get to church this morning. But man, she's here to hear the word of God. You know? I'm encouraged by her. But you never told her that. She just provoked you to love and good works. You, you didn't know it. Have you ever walked by somebody and they smiled at you, you know, and the, the Lord encouraged your heart? Are you overheard something? How many times have you sat under a sermon uh, or a teaching lesson from your Sunday school teacher and you were helped and you never told them? You don't have any idea how God's going to use you, but you do have the promise that God will use you if you come. And then if you make yourself you know, available, Paul has no idea. And you may have no idea. Um, you will not see the evidence of fruit if you do not supply what you're called to provide. The holy life with humble obedience to God's commands. Um, there's a, a popular pastor joke about a new pastor coming to a church and everybody's really excited. So first Sunday he gets up and preaches a sermon and he's really good and the, everybody leaves. The next Sunday he comes back and he preaches the exact same sermon. And the congregation thought, that's kind of weird. And third Sunday he comes back, he preaches the exact same sermon. And now the deacons are wondering, is this the only thing this guy's got? I mean, maybe we should have vetted him a little bit better. And so they ask him about it. Pastor, is this the only one you got? And he said, no, whenever you obey this one, I'll preach another one. Um, don't get so wrapped up in what your spiritual gift is and how God's using you or otherwise. Do exactly what this says, just... A holy life with humble obedience to God's commands. If you come to church and you have a holy life, you're fighting sin, you're confessing sin, you're repenting, and you're just in humble obedience to the commands that you know, do what you know to do, be faithful to what you you're, is in front of you, God will use you. Um, and so if you just start there, all the other things will fall into place. The knowledge and belief in God's Word you will not see the evidence of the fruit if you don't supply what you're called to provide, a holy, humble, obedient life, and then knowledge and faith you know, in God's Word as you, you know, renew your mind. So availability, clean life, available life, and then one that's growing in the, you know, the, the understanding of, of Scriptures. Final comments? We're going to pick up the list of more specifically identified gifts next time.
Don't forget, this Wednesday night, we'll be back in here. Anybody who wants to come, we'll be praying for uh, our elections coming up. And everybody that is part of that process, both on a state and national uh, level. And um, I'll give you a little bit of an admonition before we do. But then we're going to spend the time actually praying rather than talking about you know, praying. So Let's pray now. Father, I thank you for your truth, and um, thank you for how gracious you are. And um, just pray that you would use your word and um, each one of us help us to have humble, obedient, and holy lives. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning, if there is any sin in my own heart that I'm not even aware of. I pray that you would reveal that. If you've already revealed it, I pray that you would help us to confess that to you and repent um, of that. I pray, Father, that you would grant us uh, a humble heart. Um, If anybody is lifted up in pride, and the blindness that's there, I pray that you would correct us. And then help us to be obedient A lot of times, Lord, we know exactly what we're supposed to do, but intentions to do it are not obedience. Um, Doing exactly what you command, uh, when you command it, and doing it joyfully is our target. So there's someone in here this morning that knows they're supposed to do something, and they've just not got around to doing it. I pray that Today they would be obedient. And um, then I pray that you would just use us. Glorify yourself in your church. Thank you for these men. Bless their day. In Jesus' name. Amen.